0: This is The Deep Dive with Brooke Spector, investigative conversations about issues that impact our lives. Be curious, Friday mornings at 9 a.m., only on 101.9 High FM. Oh, well, Stella used to tell me, uh, you pointed out this to and she said, don't worry, the, the next people can look after
1: that. Peter, we're we're going to go live now. Okay. And... Let me introduce the program. Uh, this is in fact the deep dive and I'm Brooke Spector and the bit of chatter you heard be- just a second ago was Peter Fabricius, our guest today, explaining the joys of uh, buying a perfect ready to move in house that needs years of work. But we didn't, we didn't ask Peter to come on air to speak about house repairs, although he's now going to become an expert at it, but because Peter has a as many of as many of you in the audience know a long and distinguished career as an international correspondent he spent years in the US for example uh was part was a leading figure in the old Argus group's uh, international news service Africa service uh he has since his retirement from you know from the daily newspaper world has been a researcher and writer with the Institute for Strategic Studies in in uh, Pretoria, and an occasional but but frequent contributor to the Daily Maverick. I am pleased to say because I helped encourage him to think about doing it, and uh, he did, and we're we're pleased that he has done it. And most recently, he's been in Kenya to look at the election process to lead up to, and then the the actual election uh, of the new president in Kenya. And welcome and thank you very much for joining us, Peter.
0: Hi, uh, Brooks. Yeah, thanks very much for inviting me. Thanks for the introduction. Yeah, I won't speak much about uh, r- r- roof repairs today. <laughs> current, uh, Everybody uh,
1: current... who listens will, 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 will sympathize, <laughs> I must tell you.
0: <laughs> it's quite important in Cape Town because we've just had a monsoon the last few days.
1: Yeah, you discover cracks in the roof you didn't even know existed, and suddenly there's a bucket <laughs> underneath every one of them. But when when you went to Kenya, Kenya's had a uh since independence, certainly, it's had a kind of a raucous uh political life. Um yeah. lots of accusations of mysterious uh doings behind the scene, an elections commission that was uh less than non-partisan, and uh, all kinds of charges and counter charges about vote buying and tribal politics, quote unquote, and all the rest of this. This election, which you went to watch, seems to have been different in some ways. It, it pitted um, William Ruto, the uh, sitting deputy president, and uh, Riley o- Odinga, who has been running for president for, well, as long as many people can remember, I guess. And yeah. um, so what happened?
0: Yeah, look, it was, as you say, um, in some ways unusual. I mean, it, it obviously had quite a lot of continuity and common features. But the unusual part about it was, um as you're suggesting, that the deputy president in most systems, like, you're, you know, in America, for example, you would get perhaps the deputy president, you know, running for office, as it's often happened in the U.S. after his, his president has, you know, has, has exhausted his two terms. And here, though, there was a fallout between, uh, the, the president, the, the incumbent president, Uhura Kenyatta, and his deputy, William Ruto. And, um, and, 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 uh, Kenyatta, uh, did a famous handshake with, with Odinga back in 2018 and started a whole new sort of, uh, reconciliation with him, the guy who he'd fought and beaten in the last two elections. So as you say, r- Radar Denga is the perpetual kind of also ran in a way a shame. And it seems like at this time, too, this was his fifth shot at the presidency. And most people actually thought he was going to win. Uh, we did, too, actually, just from uh, the polls and talking to the experts and so on. And then the r- results were announced, um, which showed two weeks ago, which showed that he'd been very narrowly beaten by Ruto. And he's claiming fraud and, uh, he's taking it, uh, to the Supreme Court. So we're, we're kind of in a way, um, back at square one. Um, you know, in 2017, when he was beaten by Kenyatta, Dinga also took it to court. And that time, quite in an unprecedented fashion, actually for Africa at that point, they, uh, the, the court annulled the election, you know, and it was, and, and demanded a rerun. Unfortunately, in a way, Odinga didn't run again. He, he claimed that the, uh, the, the electoral commission had not been sufficiently reformed for it to guarantee a free and fair election. So he didn't even contest the second round. And, uh, of course, Kenyatta, you know, won by a landslide. So, uh, we're, we're, we're at the moment where we are is that the Supreme Court has 14 days or so, which would be expired quite soon because I think that dates back a few days to, to scrutinize the election and to try to discover again whether it was, um, you know, a genuine reflection of the will of the Kenyan people. And
1: the, the nature of the two candidates, uh, Ruto comes from a, a, tr- a tribe, and ethnicity, the, what the Kalinji, uh, Kalinji, which is yeah. not, not noted for its, uh, political dominance in, in, in Kenya, certainly, whereas, uh, Ken, uh, but, uh, but Odinga comes from the, 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 more or less majority tribe and one that has had a, something of a lock on politics in the country, I think.
0: No, actually close enough, but, uh, yes, you're right that Ruto is Kalenjin. And although it's, look, the, 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 the demographics are reasonably well distributed, but the, the Kalenjin did actually have a, a, a long run, if you, if you want to put it in those, those ethnic terms, which, which are very relevant in the Kenyan context because arab moy who who was the the oh. president who took over from the founding president joma Kenyatta back in when was it uh, late seventies early late you know, early eighties and all the way through to you know into the into the nineties early twentieth century uh he was a Kalenjin. Adinga, in fact is not i i think you were referring to the Kikuyu who have been pretty much the dominant group, they are the largest, although they're not a majority. And Kenyatta was one, is, you know, the, the father. And so of course was Uhuru is, and, and, uh, Dinga is a Luo, uh, and they, they, they hail from the western part of Kenya up against, uh, shore, on the shores of Lake Victoria. And they've never actually had a president. So, huh. you know, if you, if you, my good friend, Michaela Rong wrote a very famous book called It's Our Turn to Eat. And it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's, it quotes from, uh, from somebody she spoke to during her, her coverage of, of, of Kenya. And it, it, it reflected the, the the way that Kenyan politics were and still are to a degree seen as like a, you know, everybody, every tribe gets its, its, its turn at the trough, you know, and the Lua hadn't had this. So I, in a way, I, it, it was quite, it seems quite sad that they didn't, but yeah you know, that's the way it goes. And uh, we'll we'll see if the court upholds that result.
1: Now, well, I'm going to pause for just a second and let me, uh, we have to do what we n- must necessarily do. We're speaking with Peter Fabricius, uh, journalist, uh, analyst, commentator. Uh, we're speaking about the Kenyan election and its implications, not just for Kenya, but for South Africa.
0: This is the Deep Dive with Brooks Spector. And
1: this is indeed Brooke Spector, and we are on the Deep Dive, and today we're talking to Peter Fabricius, author, uh, commentator, long-time veteran journalist, uh, writer and consultant with the uh, Institute of Security Studies, and uh, a sometimes contributor to the Daily Maverick. But for the purposes of our conversation today, uh, he's just been in Kenya watching the election for the presidency in Kenya. William Ruto, the man who seems to have won, uh, absent any further challenges that pan out, it, it's, it's, he's an unusual kind of politician. I mean, he has a PhD in, in agronomy. Uh, he uh, is a farmer and one of the larger producers. His work, his land is one of the larger producers of uh, maize, corn, uh, in the country, uh, He's been in cabinet positions for many years, and at the same time, didn't seem to have the ultimate faith and confidence of his president. And yet, here he is now, likely to be the president unless other things happen. Yeah. Uh, describe him a little in in, in sort of a more three D kind of way, if you could.
0: Yeah. What you said, good. Yeah. Look, um, so a couple of things. One is that he's quite a lot younger than his. Opponent, he's 55 versus Odinga's 77, and I think that was a factor in the election. Um, he fought this election on the basis of, uh, as he called it, the need for the hustlers to get a chance um, against the dynasties, and that that was a dig, of course, at the fact that he was facing um, now not just Odinga, his his opponent on the ballot, but back by Kenyatta. And both of them are sons of the original president and deputy president of, Ken- of Kenya, you know. Um, o- Oginga, Odinga, uh, Raila's father was deputy to, to Kiku and, and they were, they were buddies in the struggle. They were fellow, um, you know, uh, uh, liberation fighters against the British. And then they fell out in, in the, in the late sixties. Uh, and he, he fought the running battles with them. He was imprisoned, etc. cetera. Oginga was. So that was like the dynasties, and so Rucha quite c- cleverly, in fact, went beyond the, the usual tribal kind of affiliations, although I'll get back to that, and fought this campaign for mainly for young people who are suffering very high unemployment and in, in what is a not a very um, good economy, and 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 actually seemed to appeal quite widely now. He himself, we're going to have to see how he performs. I mean, apart from what you've said is is good. Those are the positives. There is a bit of a downside, and that is that he is considered to be um, a pretty hard-nosed guy. You know, he and Kenyatta, by the way, are still officially indicted by the International Criminal Court for the uh, the post-election of violence in 2007 when they were on opposite sides. So for mobilizing his Kalenjin against the Kaku and, you know, like tapping into old land grievances and so on. A lot of people died then like, uh, between, you know, 1,100 and 1,200. And uh, the ICC indicted both of them because they were held equally responsible for, for whipping up violence by their, their supporters. And then the cases kind of, Sort of collapsed really because of a lack of witnesses. And, and there's a whole story behind that, which nobody really knows for sure, but witnesses, let us just say, disappeared in mysterious circumstances. So that case is not off the cards. It, it hangs over him in a way, although few people think that it'll ever reappear. So he's a tough guy. He's, look, he's promised to, 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 to advance the interests of the, the young people, the economic interests, the hustlers, as he called them. Uh, people who, you know, trying to make ends meet on the street with small businesses, et cetera. And whether or not he does that or whether the Kenyan politics just slides, you know, inevitably back to its, its old, uh, uh comfortable ways for the elites and to hell with the rest, we'll, we'll, we'll still have to see.
1: Does, does that make him in some way, uh, and I'm, I, I'm going to use a label, but, and then you, you tell me whether this, uh, this obscures more than it clarifies. Does that make him something of a populist on behalf yeah. of the next generation?
0: Yeah, he is a kind of populist actually in that sense. Look, I don't know if he would completely fit the, the, the description, but yes, that, that is. A fair way to, to describe him and, and it is reasonably illuminating because that's he, his, his, his coalition that, that opposed the Azimio coalition of, of Odanga was called Kenya Kwanzaa, which means Kenya first. So that gives you a little bit of a, an echo across the Atlantic, shall we say. I was going to uh, say,
1: I hear a certain echo yeah. or resonance. <laughs> yeah.
0: You know, the interesting thing amongst others about this election, so as, as you pointed out right in the beginning, and as is absolutely true, uh, elections tend to have been fought basically by kind of ethnic tribal coalitions, you know, and they, and they've often shifted and they've moved around and they, they're quite difficult to follow. You know, one, as we saw here, you know, Kenyatta and Odinga just a few years ago were at each other's throats in the last two elections and suddenly formed an alliance and Ruto was with Ken, Kenyatta and was now against him. So it's it's kind of balance of power politics, shifting alliances, and so on. But this time there was there was some evolution away from the, the tribal element, and it it occurred to some degree because Ruto, Ruto claimed when he when he in his acceptance speech that that he had how did he put it? He said he had raised the bar because he he hadn't fought the campaign on tribal lines, which was true and not true. I mean, it was true to a degree. And one of the reasons was the Kikuyu, who the major tribe and have been the most influential in, in uh, Kenya's politics, didn't put up a, a candidate. And it's not quite clear why. Uh, maybe they felt that, that they didn't want to be seen to be too dominant and so on. So both candidates, the, the two leading candidates, uh, Ruto and Odinga, each chose a, a Kikuyu running mate. So that kind of, Muddy, the, the complicated, the, the, the calculation of how the Kiku would vote, you know, which side they'd vote for. And in fact, they ended up voting largely for Ruta, even though, um, he had been, uh, you know, the, the one who incited a lot of the, the kind of, of, you know, ethnic violence against them back in 2007. So Kenyan politics are quite complicated in that sense, but in other ways, it went, it went along the tribal lines. I mean, I, I was with an observer mission from the Brentius Foundation. We, we, our particular group in in that team, went to Kasumu, which is on the shores of Lake Victoria, and that's very much um, Rayla, Denga Lua country. And I mean, he just he he won majorities of like ninety-five to five percent, you know, in that that area. And and and, and likewise, um, Ruto in, in his kind of central Kenyan, you know, Rift Valley strongholds, but elsewhere things were not as clear cut. And so it was that kind of floating vote, which I think was critical here. I mean, the the end result was extremely close. You know, it was Ruto got 50.49, which was just enough to avoid a runoff. You know, you have to have more than a half to avoid a second round. And and then Rayleigh Dinga, according to the official result, was 48.49 or something, 48 or a bit more. So, you know, any Any kind of tampering with the results which we still have to discover the truth of will would, would you know could be could have been decisive too you know. um
1: does this uh, two things does this split that you 've described in the way the voting patterns came came across uh, is this more of a rural versus urban in other words uh, the the folks in Mombasa or in Nairobi and thereabouts Probably went more for Odinga and rel- relatively less for his rival and vice versa. And uh, if that's true, is he able to, that is uh, Ruto, is he able, is he in any kind of a position to deliver on yeah. the promises?
0: you know i don't think i don't think that was the split um it it has it it it's quite a feature of uh of african politics in fact on wednesdays you know the, the Angola had an election and um and the, the 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 i'll get back to obviously i'll get back to Kenya quite quickly but they had an election there and and the ruling MPLA took quite a heavy knock. It lost something like 25% of its, you know, its its majority over UNITA, the, the main opposition party, was cut by 25%, uh, and and so it and it lost like 10% of what it had, uh, you know, it lost it was dropped 10% on its two, 2017 results. I mean, the, UNITA is still claiming fraud, and maybe true because no one believes that the electoral commission there is very uh, uh, is very independent. But it also swept Luanda by a huge uh, majority uh, um, so the MPLA like um Zanu PF and one could say like the ANC are steadily becoming uh rural parties. You know, they lo- they're losing the urban vote. Now, I don't think it was quite as clear cut in Kenya because of the complications about, you know, Kenyatta backing a dinga and Kenyatta clearly wasn't very popular and so on. So I don't think, I think uh, my sense is that Ruto may actually have taken Nairobi, which is a kind of mixed bag sure. anyway. It's got, you know, like, like any capital city, it doesn't have a a, a a sort of very strong ethnic character. So, uh, but it's got probably got a younger population than the, than the rural areas. And that, that group in fact tended to go for Ruto for some of the reasons that we described earlier. So yeah. So I don't think he, I don't think he will necessarily have a, an, a that kind of issue. He ob- obviously will have other issues, and they're not happy. Uh, but you know, so far, there's been very little violent reaction, you know, and so that's something to be grateful for. Um The, the, I mean, Adinga very clearly, uh, when he rejected the results, he very clearly said, "I'm going to court," and I urge my Supporters not to go on the streets, you know. So I hope that prevails. I mean, if the court comes out and upholds the result, then you know we'll have to see.
1: Now, but that leads me back to the to the other okay. question. Uh, given the closeness of the vote, given the uh, the ethnic strains and splits, and given the way uh, the president elects uh, strength is is regionally based to some degree, to uh, degree yeah. the age difference and the large. Central city in Nairobi, population terms, is Ruto actually in a position to deliver on the promises, uh, beyond simply, it's our turn to eat?
0: Yeah. Well, uh, as I said, I, I I think that, I think that if he, if he does, if he does do what he said he would do in his, in his, in his campaigning, and obviously that's a big if, I think he'd be okay because I, I think he's shown in this, even though it's quite close and and um his, 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 uh, victory, you know, margin was very small. I think if he, if he rules as he claimed he would with, you know, with, for all Kenyans and, and, but more particularly if he does something about the economy, I think he'll be okay.
1: Now, uh, this dates me perhaps, but you will remember when Barack Obama went to uh, Ghana. Mm. And he issued his uh, his pronouncement on Africa. He says the era of the big man in African politics yeah. is over, uh, and everybody took note of that. And everybody smiled, nodded their heads. I guess except for the big men uh, <laughs> who, who weren't entirely clear that was a good idea. But if if Ruto represents a new kind of Kenyan politics in a way and a generational change, and certainly a difference in the idea of governing. Does this mean, you've alluded to the Angolan result, and there are some others we, you can think of, does this argue for the end of the big man and its replacement by the populist man?
0: Yeah. Well, I'm not sure I'd go quite that far. I mean, Kenya, of course, in a sense, isn't wasn't typical because, well, for one thing, since multi-party politics was introduced and, in, you know, by... Arab Moyer rather grudgingly in, in, in 1991. It's they, the leaders have, well, after that actually, but after the new constitution actually in the, tw- in the 21st century that, which is, which was a set two term limits, those have been kind of observed. You know, Kenyatta did not run again. Mm-hmm. And I mean, in, in, in your typical big man, uh, 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 uh African country, you know, that doesn't happen. They just, they're like, next door, Museveni in Uganda has been in, 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 the state house since 1986. Um, you know, down the road, Kagame has been around since, uh, in effect, since 94, when he came in to end the genocide. He was briefly not the president in, in, in ex officio, but always was, you know, in, in, in reality, and, and seems likely to remain so for a very long time. So Kenya, uh, Kenya, in that sense, is, has has observed those rules. I mean, you could you could obviously argue about the uh, legitimacy of the elections, but you know, relatively, <laughs> they they go okay. So now I don't see Ruto necessarily then uh, stepping way out of the the pattern of Kenya's politics. Um, he's yeah, he's I mean, age wise, of course, you could say uh, he's he's probably not that. He's probably about the same age as uh, as as Kenyatta, actually. So, so he, um, but but he did try and give it a. He did try and play the 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 tribal card less. You know, uh, Nick Cheeseman, who's a, a Kenya expert from the University of Birmingham, noted that he thought that that Kenya was was evolving, had shown signs of evolving away from the. The, the kind of ethnic uh, f- focus of the past, so it's not there yet, and one hopes it gets there. But one can see that there's quite deeply entrenched sort of tribal divisions, which are going to be very hard to uh, overcome. And hopefully, Ruto would would make uh, you know would would make good on his election promises and, and try to ensure that everybody gets a, a fair chance. You know,
1: I mean, as as a slightly cynical aside, I might say even a nation like the United States sometimes looks as if it is split Mm. along a uh, quasi-tribal
0: pathway. Yeah, that is a problem everywhere, actually. Yeah, you're right about the U.S. It's kind of, in that sense, been quite regressive since Trump, and still is. Well,
1: uh, Donald Trump tried to be the American version of the populist big man. He tried to meld meld the two together, and at the same time, build on resentments of if not ethnicity at least division and and uh,
0: and, and not to accept the uh, the 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 of the election you, know, <laughs> you a see his
1: fingernails dragging across the sand on this one
0: yeah
1: he's he's not quite there yet step back a little bit from the the particular particularities of the kenyan election and what does this imply a for the rest of Northeast Africa, because there are security issues in places like Somalia and Ethiopia and even Uganda and the Northern parts of, of uh, Mozambique, certainly. Yeah. Uh, And then what does, what does it imply as well for um, this country? Uh, And we'll think about that for a second. Let me do this next message and then we'll come back to you after you have a chance to contemplate all of that. We're speaking with Peter Fabricius Commentator, analyst, uh, journalist. We're talking about Kenya and its, its election and the implications for the rest of Africa.
0: This is the deep dive with Brooke Spector.
1: And we are indeed deeply diving. And this is Brooke Spector and we're speaking today with Peter Fabricius, uh, commentator, analyst, journalist, and most recently, observer of the election in Kenya. And just before our station break, I asked Peter to think about this Kenya election in terms of Northeast Africa, the security issues that uh, pertain there, as well as the larger implications for Africa as a whole and South Africa, as including South Africa, because as everybody who's listening knows, uh, this country will have its own election in just Well, what, less than two years?
0: Yeah, you know, I think, I I think I'd start off by saying that, um, Kenya is regarded as, you know, I mean, it's, it's the, it's the major economy of that part of that region, uh, and, 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 and the major player in other respects too, you know, politically, militarily and so on. So it's, it's seen as quite, because it's, well, some of the, uh, the amb- amb- ambiguities about its 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 politics and its elections and so on, it is seen as something of a of a kind of a limp. A, uh, what's the word I'm for? Litmus test of democracy. Uh, and and so, it, for example, in the Observer team that I was on, there were quite a few other there were quite a few members of oppositions from other countries. And I since they were rooting for Odinga because he's been seen as like a champion of the opposition because he's been at it for so long, fighting, uh, you know, incumbents and losing, uh, they may have kind of slightly changed their views because I, I I got the feeling they were not all deeply deeply impressed with, with uh, with, his, with with the campaign, it, including the fact that that you know he he got the backing of the incumbent Kenyatta, which sort of confused the picture. So, so Ken, uh, I think so, in that sense, Kenya is important as a, as a, as a, uh, a political kind of paradigm, if you like, for others in the region and, and in the continent. Um it's important economically, obviously. It's the, it's the major economy of the region. So, you know, one, there were quite credible reports that, that economic activity, in a sense, kind of sort of, Went on hold for the, the, for the election because of a concern, which is always there, although the fear is, 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 fading that there might be another explosion of violence and, you know, that would have a, a big impact on economic activity. And then, you know, so in its own region, of course, the democracy is not in, in great, you know, oversupply, shall we say? I mean. That's uh, gentle. And, <laughs> and, uh, and so it, it's it, it's kind of seen as an exemplar for you know for 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 the region. Tanzania has like improved a bit after the you know the departure of Magufuli. The new president has uh, seems to be doing a better job, although I wouldn't call Tanzania yet quite as democratic as Kenya. And then other areas, I mean Rwanda, Burundi, Uganda, you know, uh, all quite um worrying, you know. So, and of course the the military is a factor. I mean, back, uh, in 2011, Kenyatta sent troops into Somalia, uh, and, and there was a huge backlash actually with uh, Al-Shabaab striking back at uh, Kenya with, with, um, various, um, acts of terror and sabotage and which seemed to have faded, by the way. And there was, uh, I, I, I wondered if there might not be any attempts to, uh, to, to, to sabotage the elections, but they you know, by them, but there weren't. Um, so it's and it it it's seen Kenya as being a, very much a, an ally of the of West on security issues. It it provides quite a lot of assistance and gets assistance from British and Americans. So it's a, it's an important um, country for you know for security and stability reasons. Uh, I don't think that the. That was an issue in the election. Apparently there was very little kind of foreign policy um, discussion, which is quite often the case in elections, as we know. Yeah, it all tends mean, to be the stupid, always. Yeah, inward looking. So, and, and one, the assumption is that Ruto would pretty much continue, um, the, the policies of, of Kenyatta if, if his election is upheld, as maybe a would have, you know, they're not, um, uh, they're not likely, for example, to, as far as I know, to withdraw from, um, Somalia, which would, would which, you know, could have been an issue. Kenyans, at, at least in the, over the years, have taken quite a lot of casualties in Somalia, and it's not always been uh, very popular, I don't think, that, uh, that assignment in, in Somalia. For South Africa, yeah, look, it's important for South Africa, clearly, to have a, um, a reliable, you know, uh, ally in that part of the world which which it does have it 's uh, you know the, the the advance of democracy anyway obviously helps all other countries and what 's been quite interesting in the region um, is we 've seen that happen in um, Zambia where an incumbent was defeated we 've seen that happen in Malawi where an incumbent was defeated in that case also courtesy of the courts in the case of malawi as I said in kenya the this the kind of incumbent um, uh, and, and challenger dichotomy was confused by that, that strange alliance between, um, Kenyatta and Odinga. But still, you know, it's, it's, um, if the court, at least the court is involved. And last time the court showed itself to be a credible arbiter of, of the, the, the election results. So hopefully that will happen again. And yeah, that, that would be good for democracy. I mean, it would be better, of course, if we had elections that, that did not have to be taken to court because that complicates, it, you know, it, it does raise questions about the credibility of the electoral commission of the political process. It kind of puts a bit of a hold on, on the country while these things are resolved. But yeah, it's better after, obviously than what happened after the 2007 election.
1: Yeah. The, the, the problem of going to the courts, okay. uh, of course, uh, the, the United States is no, uh, is no example of it not ever happening either. Uh, so even in older democracies. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. This kind of, this kind of thing does happen. And it, you're quite right. It does have an effect on the, the, the sense of the legitimacy of whoever is declared hmm. the winner. And I, I think that's kind of a universal constant.
0: Yeah. So I just want to say that in, in, in this country, for example, we, we, we resort to the courts way too often, really, don't we? I mean, it puts a huge strain on the courts because it's, it, it 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 subjects them to the accusation that they have become politicized and so it would be nice if we didn't have to but then if you if if all else fails well at least we have that stop gap
1: sorry no 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 i mean that's that's quite the case the uh, i think we're supposed to take an ad break craig did you send me your thir- their third read we we're, we're okay we're not going to have to do that okay <laughs>
0: This is the Deep Dive with Brooks Specter,
1: And we are back. We're back with the final bits of the Deep Dive with Brooks Specter, And our guest today is Peter Fabricius, colleague at the Daily Maverick and also an independent commentator, uh, an analyst and consultant with the Institute for Security Studies. And most recently, and the reason why we're talking to him this morning, is because he was on an observer mission at the election in Kenya, uh, which puts him in a particularly good space to be able to judge the way in which the election ran, the results, and perhaps the broader implications for electoral politics in Africa, and just pe- by parenthesis, uh, for South Africa as well. Peter?
0: Yeah, I, I think I should probably just say, because um, I haven't said it yet, that that, you know, when you observe an election, just the, the the day of the election and before kind of thing, which is what we did, it always looks great because very few people cheat on the day or not very obviously. So the voting all went smoothly and everything. And then it's always the count though. And Kenya is, is a case in point. It's when you, you and, 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 and the, the challenge that Odinga's raised gets into some technicalities, which we, Really, we're in no position to, to delve into and perceive. Anyway, but the larger implication, obviously, I mean, two things I would say is one is obvious, as I mentioned before, democracy is this continent's great challenge. And, and so that's, you know, that's what, what, what sort of provokes the interest in these, in these elections. And a lot of observer missions from all over, a lot of, you know, the Brent one had opposition people in it, like Tendai BT and Sito Kabwe and uh, Kizwe, Basigwe, and so on from Uganda and, and others. Um and so that's that's there's a there's a kind of a obviously a, a a a collective interest in democracy wherever, because one affects the other. You know, maybe they 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 draw inspiration from one another, they draw courage from one another. So that that was good. And 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 I think the other thing I would just like to say is that it, it the signs, the, sounds, the Early signs of Kenya evolving beyond its ethnic politics were 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 really very encouraging. You know, if that if that can be sustained, that would be uh, good for the whole continent too. Because I think ethnic politics have been the, the 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 you know the kind of bugbear of the politics of a lot of countries in this continent, as as you would know. And so, any example of of evolution and Kenya is one of the most advanced countries in the continent would be uh, would be very heartening. Well
1: you know what you what you said about uh, voting versus vote counting I I believe it was Joseph Stalin who once observed it doesn't matter who votes as much as who counts all those votes.
0: (laughs) That's absolutely true absolutely true.
1: And your final thoughts perhaps on the the effect, the implications, the influence of this election in Kenya on uh, South Africa's upcoming electoral electoral process.
0: Yeah, well, look, I mean, what what can I say? It's it's um, I think our I think our electoral politics are are actually still exemplary. So in that sense, procedurally. Uh, we, 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 we probably don't have a whole lot to learn from Kenya. Um, I guess the, the fact that our politics are getting into kind of, uh, ambiguous territory in terms of who's going to win and, you know, ANC is widely predicted to fall below 50%. So some, some of the, um, maybe some of the kind of the lessons of coalition politics and so on from Kenya might be relevant. Um, they, they, it's, they they're not easy to, to read those lessons, as I said, because the their coalition forming and, and, and reforming and so on is bewildering, but maybe that in itself holds some lessons because I think we're starting to see the same sort of thing in this country with 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 coalition politics you know dominating already at, at local government level and likely to do so at um, national level uh, there, there's maybe some lessons to be learned there about how you you manage those massive complexities of Shifting alliances and, uh, you know, ethnic and social and economic divisions and whatever. So, yeah. Peter, it's it's a pleasure to
1: have you on air because uh, you understand things, A, but B, you explain them in in ways that clarify rather than further confuse the issue. And you you, you help us understand what goes on in in a place that's far, far away, but just down the street. In this case, of course, the Kenyan election. We've been speaking to Peter Fabricius, commentator, consultant, analyst, veteran journalist, sometimes colleague at the Daily Maverick as well, an analyst on behalf of the Institute for uh, Security Studies. Uh, and as we've indicated, uh, most recently, just back from Kenya as an observer and in their most recent presidential election. Again, thank you. And we'll be back next week. Uh, with another guest who can explain something that is important for us to understand. Public issue. I haven't quite figured out which one it is. There's so many to choose from. But tune in next week at nine o'clock and we'll be doing the deep dive yet again.